Hello, and welcome to this edition of the EV Revolution Show audio podcast. With your host, Kenneth Bocor. This is episode 45, recorded on December 28th, 2022. This episode of the EV Revolution Show is sponsored by File Sanctuary. Need a great web host for your business? Need to get email at yourdomain.com? They provide professional, feature-rich web and email hosting for any project you have in mind. Get started today at filesanctuary.net forward slash cloud and save 10% with promo code EVREVSHOW. All right, and thanks for tuning in to this edition of the EV Revolution Show. My name is Kenneth McCoy, your host, as you heard. Appreciate you taking the time to listen to my audio podcasts. As you folks know, I always try to find uh, different people that are working within the electric vehicle market space uh, globally about what's going on in different facets of that market space. Uh, and I'm very stoked and happy to have a company that a high, that um, gentleman from this company on on the line today that I had not heard of. Uh, company's called Enviotech, and I have their CEO, Mr. Phil Audridge. How are you, Phil? Very well. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, we're filming this during the Christmas break, so we're all kind of jumping in uh, when we get a, a spare time to do this. Um, did I hopefully I pronounced your last name right? Because I didn't ask you prior to going on air here. No, that's good enough. It's with an O, Oldridge. Oldridge. Of, okay. But, but it's close enough. All right. Well, you know, my fans know that I always put your name, so I try to get it right. So again, thanks for taking the time. And it's a very interesting company that um, that I uh, undiscovered discovered here uh, from when you guys reached out to me wanting to chat. So you guys are a U.S.-based manufacturer of purpose-built all-electric zero-emission vehicles and zero-emission drivetrains that are targeted primarily at the medium to heavy-duty commercial fleet type vehicle uses. And we're going to get into that. I know if you go to the website, you've got logistics vans, right-hand drive vans, urban trucks, cutaway vans and such, but you've got more stuff coming for 2023. So I'm certainly excited to get to know you guys a little bit more. Maybe, Phil, you could tell us a little bit about the origins of Enviotech and tell us where you guys have come from. Sure. It, um, well, it's kind of a, a long story, but without dragging it all out, um, you know, we're two brothers, my older mm -hmm. brother, David, and myself. And um, so, and you probably heard along the way, we, uh, of the two brothers, but we were the original founders of a company that was called Green Power Bus way back. Mm -hmm. And um, so long story short, uh, you know, Green Power got themselves publicly traded um, off the NASDAQ. And once they got up there, um, you know, sort of, without getting into the ins and outs of all the stories and the legalities, but, you know, uh, the board thought it was in their best interest if I wasn't their CEO anymore. And uh, and previously to that, about a, two years prior to that, they decided that they, that my brother as their engineer, uh, they, they, didn't, uh, they didn't care for him too much. So my brother went mm -hmm. on his own and he went out and he ended up working for Penske, got into the light duty and medium duty truck business. And he mm -hmm. was a maintenance director maintaining vehicles. And um, and sort of after um, after I ended up leaving from that company, um, my brother had reached out to me and and said, "Hey Phil, uh, you know, what are you doing?" And I just said, "Well, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'm kind of gonna just think about retiring and taking it easy." And he said, "Listen, um, I'm I've left Penske, and um, but I want to talk to you about the that about this truck space that I'm in." And I'm like, "What about it?" 
So we got talking about that. And um, long story short, um, EVT was born. Mm -hmm. And um, so without my involvement, but with my brother's involvement. And um, and so and what happened along the way, um, you know, half six, six or so months later, I received a call from a, a bank uh, or a number of bankers, private investors that were involved with a company that used to be called um, Automani. And Automani was a company that sold electric drive systems. Mm -hmm. They asked me if I was interested in looking at that company. <clears throat> I knew of the company and I knew that they weren't doing very well at all. In fact, they were pretty much finished, I think. And um, But I told them, I said, well, what's up? And they said, hey, Phil, maybe you'd like to look at a deal for us. Maybe we could do something together. So long story short, I, um, I told them I was interested in looking at the deal. Um, so long as we could get control of the company, we got control of the company. Um, they were trading off the pink sheets at that time at around seven cents, seven, 10, 12. Mm -hmm. And um, so we made a deal to, to uh, take them over, get rid of a bunch of explosive warrants that they had. Um, we did a funding, which included about 25, 26 million dollars, give or take. Mm -hmm. We acquired EVTV or EVT, which was my brother's company. We, you know, we acquired that company, put it in there, um, changed the name from Automani and the, and the ticker to EVTV, you know, yeah. for Envirotech vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, we ran it off of the uh, off of the pink sheets for just under about a year and a half, I think, and um, got the company to the point where it was strong. We were, you know making some really great progress. We rolled the stock back and uplisted it back to the NASDAQ. Mm. And so um, we're a small cap company on the NASDAQ um, doing okay. very well. And um, yeah, we're just excited to be here. So that's the story, you know, the real fast down and dirty story <laughs> of how two of brothers moving, are yeah. back working together. Well, that's usually how, you know, the, the land of opportunity works, right, in the United States here. Um, you know, things can happen in mysterious ways. And the way that the market has changed over this last decade, certainly within the last five, six years, as we've seen it accelerate, you know, creates a lot of opportunity. So um, EVTV, uh, so EnviroTech Vehicles, um, you mentioned the truck space. So that's really where you guys have uh, are focusing your efforts initially. Um uh, I'd like to start by telling the listeners that you guys do provide purpose-built platforms. And maybe you can explain the reasoning behind that. Sure. So um, a lot of people get into the space where they where they do what's called a retrofit. They'll take an mm -hmm. existing vehicle and and they may not necessarily take the engine and transmission out, or they might take the engine and transmission out, or they may just buy a chassis, um, you know, because they're a builder and um, just buy a chassis that's all in such a way that they they just install their stuff into it um, and and then they they convert that vehicle instead of a gas powered or a diesel powered vehicle into an electric vehicle and they put it on the road mm -hmm. uh, for me as a as a vehicle um manufacturer and especially with my brother you know with his engineering background and stuff like that between the two of us we didn't really like that and the reason that we didn't like that was because you know there's a term in the industry that's called homologation to homologate means to conform something and so USDOT is, you know, the toughest standard in the world, especially in the state of California. Mm -hmm. So if a vehicle has already been tested, it's gone through USDOT, mm -hmm. it's gone through its, you know, brake test, side impact test, crash test, all these types of things. <clears throat> if it's gone through those parameters and it's been tested and, and certified as a vehicle on what its stopping distances are and everything, mm -hmm. when it had an engine and transmission in it, that's one. If you take those engines and transmissions out, and you now just put in electric motors and batteries and stuff, you change the gross vehicle weight, 
you know, you change the center of gravity, you, you just change a tremendous amount of things that people don't, from the outside looking in, don't necessarily see. They're like, oh, I know this bus, I've been on these types of buses before, but maybe you really don't. So, um, and then, and there's nothing wrong with that so long as you recertify that vehicle or retest it and do all those testings. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people, you would then need the, the permission of the manufacturer of that vehicle along with yourself. And, and most often, in fact, I don't know of any case right now that where someone's repowered a vehicle where they have re-homologated that vehicle. Mm -hmm. So we build purpose-built vehicles. They're, they're built as an electric vehicle. They're built as an electric vehicle from the ground up and they are built. It, it's EVT and that's what we do. Mm -hmm. So similar to, I, I, I mentioned to you before I press the record button that I was out at the Cami plant from GM uh, a few weeks ago with the initial opening of the Bright Drop group uh, delivery vans. And again, those vans are built on purpose-built platforms, Altium-based, and they're ground-up vehicles. They had to, they spent about nine months retooling that plant to accommodate that. So you're, you're meeting uh, your product manufacturing in a very similar manner where everything is going to be a ground-up to your design and specs, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, obviously, as listeners that have been following the EV space know, when you do that from a purpose-built uh, uh, perspective, um, there are a lot of, of inherent benefits that a platform, an all-EV platform will give you, um, not only in flat floors, as an example, on the interior space, because there is no transmission hump, but the, and the lower center of gravity, but in this in increased structural rigidity and a lot of benefits for safety um, and, and operational uh, elements there that sometimes don't people don't really talk about. They just talk about interior space. So, um, uh, so I think that that's a great approach that you guys have taken and that you guys have already started to deliver products. Uh, this is not a startup company here, folks. This is not somebody that's saying in two, three years, we're going to be you know, delivering products. You guys have started delivering products. And what was uh, what was your first product I think that you delivered out? Was it one of the logistics fans? Yeah, so we delivered out, we released it at the same time. So mm -hmm. a little class four truck mm -hmm. and um, and uh, a logistics van. Our logistics vans are, you know, um, <clears throat> just like everybody else's van, I suppose. Um, uh, but they do have dual wheels on the back and we have them in a high roof and a low roof um, variation. Mm -hmm. So the payload is up to 5,000 pounds or, you know, 2,000, 2,100 kilos, which is, you know, or 2,200 kilos, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so... Yeah, very exciting. And then in terms of our truck, <clears throat> we used a, um, a manufacturer's truck, uh, the cab that drops onto our entire chassis. We used a, an existing cab, which mm -hmm. was really, really great. And um, and and the little truck, it's available in a you know in a dry box version and a stake bed side. It's available in a dump box. It has a refrigerated unit on it. Um, you know, a number of variations. So mm -hmm. yeah, we're very excited about those about those little trucks and vans. And, and that gets me excited when you have the um, the flexibility to conform to many different use cases. And, you know, I'm going to bring up a little story quickly of, uh, of some heat that I took when I did a show um, that covered the Tesla Cybertruck reveal a few years ago. Um, I watched that reveal and I was actually in disbelief for the first half of it. But, uh, you know, getting into enough time, it goes, OK, these guys are serious. This is real. And then I did a show, not necessarily criticizing the looks or anything like that. I mean, you know, everything is subjective. Uh, and Tesla specs are good, you know, power and, and battery systems, they're all pretty good. So 
Where I found that they missed the boat on that particular pickup truck market was the versatility because it wasn't a frame on design. It was a unibody design. And, and I understand the reasoning why they did that. But my sense was that it, it takes away from some of the other market opportunities that Tesla could go after, uh, like Ford has and GM and others, where they have that frame on body design, where you can get these cutaway vans and these these type of trucks and you can build almost any kind of configuration you need a welding rig truck you need an ems truck that has this kind of configuration so on and so forth and you know that's something yeah you can bolt on stuff to a cyber truck as an example but there's only so far you can go with that and the degree of customizability for the use cases that um the, the, the commercial marketplace needs are, are almost limitless in some cases so you guys with that in mind are producing products that give your or give clients that capability correct absolutely and um and i think you hit the nail on the head there you really need to be able to decide um and i you know i'm not an elon musk so i don't have <laughs> uh, you yeah. know hundreds of millions of dollars and so and 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 we can't afford <clears throat> to make any mistakes and i mean any mistakes you know we really you know, we're, you know, we, we're really a company that measures 50 times and cuts once. Mm -hmm. And when I say 50, I really mean 50 because it's, you know, it's one mistake can, can, can ruin you. So, um, so we really, really paid attention to like, who are we and what are we doing? And so, and we decided that, Hey, we're, we're a commercial applicator. We're in the commercial space. And so we're not in, you know, the consumer space. So the Mm -hmm. consumer and the reason we weren't in the consumer space really wasn't just from the application side of it was 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 actually more from from the true um, zero emission side of it. So the way I looked at it was is that you know I looked at late in life to get married. I have young children, mm-hmm. and um, I'm 60 now, and I have a you know if you'd imagine an eight year old son and a five year old daughter, and so um, to me it's uh, I really wanted to be in the in the commercial space because that's where most of the pollution NOx gases all that stuff comes from the average person you know who buys a, a Tesla or a Nissan or something like that climbs in their car and drives it 25 kilometers or 15 or 20 miles to work or whatever that is each day and then parks it there all day and then drives it home really doesn't cause a lot of pollution but a little class four a little class five truck you know like you and when and people say what's a class four class five truck Imagine these little delivery trucks running around the city that are delivering, you know, um, you know, pop cans or they're delivering their meat deliveries or their, their little dry cleaners or the plumbing trucks or any of that type of stuff. Those deliveries, you know, that are running mm-hmm. around delivering that stuff. In most cases, if they have 10, 15, you know, uh, or stops and that they're doing, they leave those engines idling. And most of them are a little diesel engine. And the mm-hmm. NOx gas that comes from that diesel that thing's running nonstop all day for 10 hours. It doesn't shut off because in the winter, the drivers need to run the heat so they don't shut it off. In the summer, they need the AC so they don't shut it off. It's running all day. An electric vehicle doesn't have those issues because Mm -hmm. you can run your AC, you can run your heat, and you don't have those NOx gas emissions. And NOx gas is the real killer. NOx gas is that stuff that sits in around 1,000, 1,200 feet over the city and it mixes with exhaust and the causes. It's just... It's it's terrible stuff, and so we really wanted to have an impact on on the emissions side of things, rather than just the consumers. Like, well, let's just sell as many as we can and get it mm-hmm. out there. Like, no, why are we doing this? You know, mm-hmm. and so 
my brother and I, uh, you know, he's he's a brilliant engineer, and and it's it's a real privilege to be able to get back and to be working with his name's David, and to be working with him and, and stuff like that. And so between the two of us, you know, we, there's a little bit of sibling rivalry because I'm his younger brother and I'm the CEO. Yeah. So you know, he's as soon poked me in the eye sometimes as talked to me about things. But but you know, underneath it, you know, the fundamentals of why we're doing what we're doing are you know we're rooted and grounded in some in some very strong areas. And so emissions is one. For sure. And then, of course, you know, and then the consumer side of it in terms of, or should I say, the commercial side of it in terms of the vehicles we, we sell. Mm-hmm. Now, those vehicles, uh, I was looking at a picture of the cutaway van as well, which, again, just it just has that front part of the van. And then the rest is all just a chassis where you can do whatever you want with it, whether it's a, you know, a flatbed tow truck type of environment where it needs to have a ramp and system or, you know, you can build it out any other way, which I think is great. Um, so you've delivered the, if we start with the logistics vans, kind of like your, your sprinter vans and these kind of things that you see running around out there, the transits of the world. Um, what kind of range are you seeing your clients get? So battery range and sizes on that. Of course, that varies by driver. So, mm-hmm. so we advertise the following, and people say, "Why is it vary by driver?" Well, some people are on the throttle, <laughs> off the throttle, on the throttle, yeah. off the throttle, on the throttle. You know, if you have constant throttle, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you you're it's just like your car. If you consistently hold your, you know, foot on the accelerator and just maintain a nice easy, you know, you're going to get better fuel mileage. So, it, it works similarly the same. But, um, so we. The, the market that we are in, what we target market is what they call the last mile delivery space or mm-hmm. the uh, commercial delivery routes, you know, that are within cities and stuff. Mm-hmm. We're looking at the uh, the commercial dry cleaner, the, the commercial electrician, the florist. You know, we, we we deal with floral shops and stuff like that. You know, um, if you could imagine out in the in the southeast, a lot of mobile libraries and types and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we really look at that. But most recently, we've done um, prisoner transport vans around the state of Georgia, where we're delivering prisoners to and from the court wow. and stuff okay. like that. And and um, you know, we just had a whole big thing on on them, and and so they're very excited. They're operating our vehicle now. It's in service, and they're delivering passenger. I mean, prisoners to and from the court system. Mm-hmm. And traditionally speaking, every one of those clients generally operates between 75 and 125 miles, mm-hmm. sometimes 150. So we set our vehicles up, you know, to, to operate a, their operating range at about 175 miles. Okay. And so, um, and, and we're very excited about, you know, sort of that it's around 250 kilometers mm-hmm. approximately there. Yeah. And, um, and the reason that we do that is, um, you know, with your battery system and stuff like that, sometimes when you're operating your vehicles, we're designed to s- and set up so that we charge overnight. You don't have to. Our vehicles are set up so that you can top charge. So if you have an hour somewhere and you can plug in, like the sheriff's department, they have chargers at different locations. They can plug in and top mm-hmm. charge, things like that as they go. But generally speaking, for the, that type of um, commercial use for the florist, for the plumber, for the electrician, you know, for the solar in- installation company, those types of people, you know, they need to be able to run that 125, 130 miles and, and come mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And so, so we, you know, this thing in the, in the space, it's called SOC, it's called state of charge. Mm-hmm. So assuming you leave at, at in the morning with hundred percent state of charge, you want to be able to return your vehicle back each day with at least 25 to 30% SOC state of charge. And so you, you're never going to come back with zero, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you can get down really low, but um, you don't want to generally don't want to do that. So we build them in such a way that we set them up for that. Obviously, if you have additional need 
or can we do more? Well, sure. It's just, it's just a little bit apple is further application of your batteries. And, mm-hmm. you know, those of you that own some Teslas, you know, you can get the long range or the short range. It's the same thing, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but the platform is there so that we can extend that range. We can do those things. So, mm-hmm. but generally speaking, that's what we, that's the space we like to be in. Okay. Do they come in different um, battery pack sizes for kilowatt hours or do you have a standard yeah, yeah, we generally work right around the uh, most of our stuff runs around right at the 100 118 kilowatt mm-hmm. um size and so on on the on the commercial size of it on our trucks and our vans and and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um so you know, they're right at 100 kilowatts. So that should give you some idea. Exactly. And uh, obviously level 1, level 2 support, do you offer DC fast charging or there's no need to because of the application of the vehicles? Um, there's no need to, if you want mm-hmm. it, they're all JT, J1772 capable. They're mm-hmm. all level two charging and mm-hmm. people say, well, what's that? So you can go to any charging port, any, mm-hmm. it's a universal plug. We're not, it's not like Tesla. You can't plug it because Tesla has their own deal, but you can go to any universe, any universal, any level two charging station around the city, municipal yards, whatever it is yeah. and, and stuff like that. There's an onboard charger on the vehicle. Um, you know, so yeah, it's, it's all, it's very easily readily available and, and it doesn't require a 30 or 40 or $50,000 special charger for, you know, for fast charging, like Mm -hmm. you you can buy it, you can buy a standard level two charger that'll give you up to, you know, 30, 35 kilowatts an hour. So Mm -hmm. in theory, you could charge your whole vehicle within two hours, two and a half Mm -hmm. hours if you wanted. So most commercial applications, the people that we're doing business with, the the plumbers, the dry cleaners, some guys take them home and they've got a charger they can plug in at home, just like Mm -hmm. you would do with your Tesla. And then some return them back to the yard and then they plug them in back at at the depot where they park at and stuff like that. So we set ourselves up for that overnight charge, but, um, Mm -hmm. but the vehicle is also designed for what we call opportunity charging. So you can, you know, opportunity charge along the way. Great. Um, well, and it makes sense from a use case. It just makes that cost of adoption for the cons- for the commercial owner a lot less because not you know I don't have to worry about a big sophisticated charging environment. I can just get you know the general stuff. Um, I could even use a one ten plug if if that's enough if that works enough for me right through a mobile right. charger. And I've seen some applications there. So uh, so definitely that that's great. And certainly the range is there for that use case, right? To, you know to to be traveling uh, interested within the city and you know maybe or slight urban environments depending on on the cities. Um, what has been the number one driver? that you've seen so far from your clients for the reason that they're looking at, at the products that you sell and for the reason they buy them. What's the number one reason? I I think I know what it is, but I'll I'll take a guess and say financial, but you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, Well, interestingly enough, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I never like to tell people that they're wrong. That's okay. (laughs) We all have different um, uh, measurements. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. um, I think that what's happened is, is that, um, you know the adoption of such things. You know, you know, and as and as and as the consumer space grows and more like that, it comes along. Mm-hmm. And I think what's happening is is that people um, themselves, um, and here and here might be a good example because I I understand through the grapevine that you drive an electric vehicle yourself. I do. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if you've never driven one, if you've never been in one, then you don't have anything to compare it to. You don't understand it, mm-hmm. right? But and I always tell people now, um, the the little local stores and 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 the little chains and and little hotels and stuff like that we do business with, 
I'm like, I'll tell you what, if you drive the vehicle, if you get in it and drive it and, and you and you truly drive it and you're objective about what it is, you're going to own it. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, you know, how do you know that, Phil? I'm just say, well, why don't you just try it? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we took the platform of, you know, we took what we consider to be um, the standard plan, but we took what was existing and um, and we designed something around what's existing and just made it electric. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, why did you do that? Because everybody likes the, um, you know, all the fancy toys, right? Like all the electric computers and this and that and screens and touch screens and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that's just personal preference. And I always tell people this, right? Like if you climbed in a Mercedes today, if you climbed in a Lexus today, you know, any one of those high-end vehicles like that, and I blindfolded you and you didn't know which one you were in and I drove you around the block, you'd be hard pressed to tell me which one was which. Like they both drive and run beautifully. So it's mm-hmm. a personal preference of what you want to look at on the on the hood, on what's out in front of you, right? In the commercial vehicle space, it's a lot different. What people, people don't really care if it's got this emblem or that emblem and the other emblem on the front. What they want is reliability, right? And they want ease of use. Mm-hmm. So, so we, in the beginning, did have some touchscreen stuff. We used, you know, iPads and things like that. But here's what happened. You know, if you had three, two or three windows open on your iPad, you know, and you that the, and the van or the truck thinks it's in load mode, it won't move. Mm-hmm. And if you forget to close out a window or something happens, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh. So when we did our study on drivers, you know, with the exception of companies like Amazon that are hiring a bunch of new drivers that are coming into the market very young, mm-hmm. you know, demographically, and if you look out out there, the average driver was in their in their mid 40s to their early 60s. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of was the platform. Right. And so it's like, okay, well, what can we create? What can we do? So we came out with you know, an analog system. So if you climbed in one of our vans today, you climbed up in it, um, you don't have to think about it. Like uh, you can mm-hmm. get right up there and you go, well, here's the radio, here's the stereo, there's the air conditioning, here's the headlights, they're on the turn signals, you know, mm-hmm. high beams, low beams, all that stuff. We even put a key, you know, before we just had a touch button, we put a key back in it. And now you twist the keys, so the ignition comes on then the gauges go up and down. Then you twist the key like you're trying to start it. There's mm-hmm. nothing to start. But by twisting the key, it'll say ready on the dash. Right. And all of a sudden, the application became very simple. And everybody mm-hmm. like, we, we totally understand this. And so it, it goes and it moves. So I know I got off track there. To, but to answer your question and get back to your question, here's what it is. More and more people now are starting to realize from the commercial standpoint that, hey, listen, you're telling me, like, and, and there's some a little bit of financial gain because they do get some stuff on new vehicles. But that's not enough for them to say yes. And so they're they're looking at it going, hey, I, you know, I can't make a mistake here because I can't, you know, this isn't like all of a sudden my wife's car has got a dead battery and can I take, I'm going to take mine mm-hmm. and go, oh, these need to move, mm-hmm. right? They need to get going. So when they start thinking about it like that, fleet managers and people are like, okay, yes. wait a minute, I want to be careful. But here's what it all boils down to, right? If you can show somebody and you can not just show them, but demonstrate to them that this is going to do exactly what it is you're doing now every single day, it truthfully is going to save you money because, and especially with the price of diesel and fuel Mm -hmm. these days and the way things are going, here's how it's going to work. It's not going to save you money instantly, but over the course of the next few years and commercial operators are looking at that Mm -hmm. and it's good for the environment. It's not just getting rid of NOx gas. When you're inside a city, and this is something that the other, the other side of pollution that people forget about at a bus stop, for instance, you know, over at, at, you know, when, when the vehicles are idling and running, the mm-hmm. noise pollution is intense. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You don't have any of that. It's all gone. So, so here's what I love about, you know, people in the space that we're in. All of a sudden they're just like, all right, you know what? Tell you what, you've proved, you, you, you know, you've proven yourself. It's good. We've driven it. We've tried it. We like it. Yes. And they just get on with it. And so it's not really so much financial. It's about the application on, on the commercial space. They just want to make sure like, hey, if I buy 10 of these things and eight of them go down, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Well, you're they're not. And and so here's what it is. And so, you know, if you remember and, you know, you know, you, you're old enough to understand, see this, the adoption when we went from gasoline in, into the diesel engine, there yeah. was a huge wave. And mm-hmm. people were like, well, what's with this diesel? You know, they're loud and they're noisy and, you know, they run mm-hmm. at half the RPM. It's only 2000 RPM instead of 5000 mm-hmm. at maximum, blah, blah, blah. And, and they're like, I know, but it's they got more torque. They got mm-hmm. this, they got that. You know, this is where we're at in the EV space today. You are on the forefront. And I always tell my brother and the people that are with us, hey, we're not just on the forefront. We're actually up on top of the wave. We're riding that wave. We're one of the yeah. first waves. And we're we're going home. We're coming up onto the beach. I promise you, we're coming up on the beach. We just stay up there. And so, I, yeah. and people are doing it. They're they're starting to you everywhere you look now. You're seeing mm-hmm. more and more and more EV. What does that tell you, mm-hmm. right? What it tells you is is that consumer confidence, not just on the on the personal side, but on the commercial side, is up. People are like, you know what? You're mm-hmm. right. Why not? Yeah. It makes sense. And so, and for me, that's that's really what it's all about. Yeah, you know, knowledge is king, and you you hit the nail on the head there. When when uh, consumers and commercial uh, organizations find out how reliable and easy to use EVs are, because there is this FUD factor, this is fear of the unknown, and you know that's part of what I do, why I do what I do, and I also volunteer with organizations uh, like EV Society of Canada, which is equivalent to EVA. I run local chapters. I do tons of public events and and speaking and things like this about EVs to help educate and answer questions and, and, and you know, peel away at the FUD that's out there. Um, you know, I had one lady uh, talk to me and say, you know, I, if somebody told me that you can't leave your EV plugged in overnight because once it gets to 100, if you leave it plugged in, the batteries will explode and catch fire. And I said, well, that's not how it works. Let me explain to you what, how it works. So there's all this, this stuff out there, and especially on the commercial side, you're absolutely right. They need that reliability and ease of use even even more. I mentioned financial mainly for the fleet organizations because when they run the numbers and look at the total operating costs and and what the time to get the return on that initial higher investment is, it makes a lot of business sense, you know, especially when they're driving 20, 30, 40,000 miles a year or whatever that case is putting these vehicles to use. Now you're seeing your maintenance costs come way down, your operating costs come way down because electricity's much cheaper than fuel and this kind of stuff. So um, it's a great market to be pushing electrification. And I totally agree with you. I think people have now accepted EVs as kind of the norm. They're not this far fringe, you know, bunch of tree huggers that drive around Nissan Leafs or Mitsubishi IMIVs and this kind of stuff way back when. These are now here. All the major OEMs have strategic plans. Some are moving faster than others. They're all spending billions and billions of dollars on the marketplace to tool up and to to bring more models to market. So it's not a pipe dream anymore. It's the reality. So the, the space that you guys are servicing is is very critical and, and very needed. And it gives those smaller businesses and organizations now an opportunity to get into that space, right? Rather than, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, having you're, to wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's like, you know, consumer confidence and uh, in the commercial side, 
you know, before when people were doing cost comparisons, like, well, this one cost me this much. And so I'm going to plug this in. It cost me 12 cents a kilowatt to charge it. And I'm going to spend this much on gas. Mm -hmm. And so they take out their, their ruler and they measure what the expense is on gas. They forget about, okay, well, you know, your oil change every 5,000 miles, or maybe you only run every 10,000 miles mm -hmm. or 10,000 kilometers, but you know, you, you know, what does that cost? Mm -hmm. And what is, and it's not just the oil, but it's the filter. And it's not just the oil and filter. I'm like, well, I can change my oil for 59 bucks. What's the big deal? But, but what did it cost you to get the van there? Like somebody had to drive it there. It, it didn't show up on its own. It didn't fly over there. It didn't get there by itself. So what about the 30 bucks an hour? You took a guy to drive the van over there and bring him. Oh yeah. Well, what? No, no, but it's a real cost. Like let's yeah. really talk about it. Yeah. And all of a sudden your $59 oil change, including labor and time and everything else and vehicle out of service is more like 250 bucks mm -hmm. because that vehicle isn't doing what it's doing. And they're like, okay, right. well, what happens when I go to service this? Well, your first service really sits at about 50,000 miles. So there's a couple of looks, there's a few things and they're like, what? Mm -hmm. And I'm and I'm like, yeah. The other thing they don't realize is and that they're starting to get confidence is, well, if I need these parts, where am I going to get it? If you look at a company like ours and people say, man, they didn't make it as futuristic as everybody else and everything else. And well, why is that? Well, because you know what? Of parts. Mm -hmm. Like you can buy, you know, 95% of all the parts in our vehicle you know, at local parts stores. You and need a headlight bulb, you need this kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. And people are starting to pay attention to it. Like it's mm -hmm. this, you know, you hear this all the time now with electric cars and electric vehicles and stuff. And people yeah. say, well, you know, we're in trouble because we can't get chips. Mm -hmm. And people are like, you know, oh my God, you know. And so that's, bankers call me all the time. They're like, Phil, tell us about your chip problem. My who? Your <laughs> chip problem. I don't have a chip problem. What do you mean you don't have a chip problem? And I just say, well, you know, and it's certainly if you're a banker that's old enough to, to understand that we grew up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, mm -hmm. and, and and I know that you share this, right? Like, you know, how many how many cars in the 80s did we have that, you know, sure, they're not as sexy and nice as they are today, but they had electric windows, and you press the button, the window went up, and the window went down. Mm -hmm. It never, all those systems never operated through a chip. They were directly wired, mm -hmm. right? So our vehicles are all direct wired. It's it's a simple thing. It's really, really simple we don't have a chip problem because we don't mm -hmm. run everything through a chip and I don't need to run it through a chip. Right. And so, um, you know, when you start paying attention to those types of details, like, like we do, and I'm just like, all right, how do we, let's, let's look at from a, you know, literally from a commercial operating standpoint, how do we make this simple? Right. Mm -hmm. It's a kiss program, right? Keep it I simple. stupid, Right. That's totally the agree. And yeah. that's where we're at. So we, yeah, we're, you know, we're very excited. So. That is exciting. No, I love to hear it. And um, as we wrap up the talk, I want to talk about uh, some of the stuff that's coming down the pipe for you guys in 2023. You mentioned uh, some of the things before I press the record button. So whatever you can, you can let the listeners know here what you guys have on plans from additional um, um, offerings for next year. Sure. So we're, we're very excited to share. We haven't, um, we do a great job of um, of like making sure that our product is you know, fully homologated and certified and done before we get it out there. And, um, it, you know, we spend a lot of time working on that. So we will be releasing in the in Q1 or at the end of Q1 of next year. Obviously, we have our school bus, which people have been hearing about. We've been talking about that. So we're very excited to do that. But we have some other product that people don't know that we have. And, um, and so and I'll share with you what they are. The first one is we have um, a commercial road sweeper or parking lot sweeper. Mm -hmm. Six brush sweeper with, you know, water jets and vacuums and stuff like that. Um, all electric. We're very, very excited about that. You could, and people say, well, what are we going to do with that? Well, if you own an, you know, if you live in a, in a downtown core <laughs> 
And a lot of these commercial buildings or commercial apartment mm -hmm. buildings or commercial space or residential apartments, and they can't have trash trucks, you know, yeah. before 6 a.m. and stuff like that. And parking lots are dirty. And then these electric sweepers don't make any noise. They're just like, they just run around and do that stuff. So we've got yeah. those. We're very excited and we'll be deploying those. Um, we also have developed and um, we're very excited. As you know, we build in both right-hand drive and left-hand drive. Mm -hmm. But we've built a new vehicle that's it's all four wheels and everything else. It's it's a smaller class of vehicle. It's a class two. And but we've tapered the front end of the car and and the, or the truck, however you want to call it. You know, um, I don't want to tell you what it is yet because we mm -hmm. want to get it out there so people can see it. But we've tapered it. It's 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 something completely different than what we would normally do. Like we mm -hmm. we got into people say, hey, can you give us something a little more racy? So this one's kind of racy. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's, it's okay. a pretty racy unit. However, what's unique about it is, is that, you know, the, the, it's, it's a single seat driver's position. And so the cab is tapered slightly so that mm -hmm. there's no room for passengers or anything else like that. It's, you know, you can utilize it in either right or left-hand drive because of the way it sits and how it's on the road. And um, they're what we consider to be uh, fast food delivery trucks. It has a, a heated box or a refrigerated box. It mm -hmm. could be used for an ice cream truck. Um, we have them for a little, they, they also have small dumps on the back. If you want it as a dump box, mm. um, it, they're going to serve what we consider to be, um, the ag, the agricultural community where, you know, there's, um, there's square boxes on the back and you can keep, um, lunches, tools, supplies, you know, uh, cutters, trim cutters, hedge trimmers, all those types of things. If you're working down between the grapevines, if you're mm -hmm. trimming vines and or apple trees or apple orchards, or it's that type of vehicle that, you know, they have a maximum operating speed of about 45 miles an hour or 70 mm -hmm. kilometers. We could adjust it if we needed to, but that's where we feel that it's best seated and needed. And, um, and it's one of those vehicles that's super easy to maneuver, super easy to park, you can, you know, get it anywhere, very mm -hmm. quiet. And, um, but those are sort of the applications that we've been tasked and that we're going after for that vehicle. So we're, we're nice. very, very excited about that. Um, you know, like a, a meat delivery truck or a, mm -hmm. or a fresh fish or anything like that. So you can keep everything frozen in there. Super exciting. So that's one. <clears throat> we also have, um, a forklift, um, well, a number of forklifts, but the first ones, excuse me, that we're going into are two and a half ton and three and a half ton electric forklifts, mm -hmm. you know, with, um, depending on what your requirements are, the two stage or a three stage mast, um, those forklifts are also can be autonomous. So if you're inside a warehouse and you have programming or mapping inside the warehouse, yeah. they can operate on their own and do that stuff. So we'll be releasing those oh, cool. as well. So some really great stuff. We're very excited. Oh, I love to hear that. All these different use cases that traditionally we don't hear about on the news or see in on a lot of different shows because people are focused mainly on the consumer side or the sexy stuff, right? As you said, <laughs> you know, but the everyday workhorses that are out there, uh, you know, th there's a big market and movement for that. Um, no, that's great. And now these are all built down in uh, in Arkansas is where your headquarters are. Is that correct? Yeah, so almost. Um, so right now we do all of our final assemblies there. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're very excited about that. The and, and by the way, I forgot to mention, we do have a class five and class six truck, which goes up to 20,000 pounds oh, okay. and one up to 27,000 pounds. So they're mm -hmm. all arriving. Um, you'll, you will see, we've just recently built and we will release um, the first ones are actually already sold 
and we've delivered them already, but, um, and you know, the customer was like, I need them, I need them, I need them right now, but we'll be releasing them, but they have been delivered already. So they're actually in use. I'm not even supposed to talk about it yet, but, mm -hmm. um, aircraft refuelers for at oh, airports. Yes. And yes. so we have electric trucks now that are aircraft refuelers. Nice. And so we have one airport right now that has two of them and there's another six that are being built. So th those will be excited. You'll get to see those too, but we are building in Arkansas. We have like this, just this last year. And, you know, and I, I just kind of want to sort of explain the growth of that to people so they mm -hmm. really understand it because it's, you know, at, at, like I said, unless you're an Elon Musk or a General Motors and you just have billions of dollars that you can go <laughs> leverage, it, it's a tough deal. But we yeah. did acquire um, a, a 60,000 square meter or 600,000 square foot uh, manufacturing facility that was former through to the loom plant in Arkansas. It sits on about uh, 100 acres of land. And 600,000 square feet is, it's massive, if you could imagine. And so, mm -hmm. and people are like, okay, great. When are you going to start building? Like, you know, you bought you bought it last Tuesday. And when's the first one's coming <laughs> on Wednesday or Thursday? Yeah. Um, it has taken us upwards of seven months to to gut the facility. And when I say gut the facility, um, 600,000 square feet, under, it was broken up into a lot of different rooms, a lot of different areas. We've had to knock down walls, take mm. down walls, get get rid of things and stuff like that. Um, so, so that's, um, taken some time, but we now have that space cleared out. Yeah. Um, we're redoing, re-roofing the entire facility with getting rid of all the old AC systems and new AC systems mm -hmm. coming in. I think we've remodeled upwards of, uh, 10 or 11,000 square feet of office space already repaired fencing, um, gates. I mean, fence a hundred acres. It'll give you an idea. Like it's, it, it's not that easy. And we need to get all that stuff done just from an infrastructure standpoint. So we've got security and things. And so mm -hmm. um, that's coming along. We've we're to the point that our plant is the floor is almost hundred percent clear now nice. and a lot of free span areas. So we will be um, bringing in more power because we need to change the way the power is structured and then, and then we'll start bringing in actual machines to stamp and things like that. So, mm -hmm. so we've gone from what's known as um, SKD, which is a semi knockdown build, um, to now what's known as a CKD, which is a complete knockdown. So the vehicle comes in many different parts, and we're assembling mm -hmm. it. And then we'll get into actual production uh, towards the end of Q3 next year so um right. so we're very excited we do ship out of malaysia we ship mm -hmm. out of taiwan and people say what do you have out of china yeah we do have some things out of china if you're in the electric space mm -hmm. everybody has some things out of china if they tell you of they course. don't they don't <laughs> they, they actually do <laughs> yeah. so um but yeah we're very excited about that and so and there's a whole process around that if, as you can imagine you just you know the, the type of equipment the machines that were going in but um mm -hmm. We made an announcement last year that we've signed a deal with a battery manufacturer that we're acquiring. And uh, we will, you know, our one of the first sections of our plant to open will be on the battery assembly side of it. It'll occupy Great. about 100,000 square feet battery slash um, solar side of it. So um, I think you're going to see some big changes. Um, you know, we're working with a number of different banks right now to to create the, uh, you know, we're going to go to market. We're going to do a financial raise and a lift mm -hmm. and. We're going to announce what we have in our pipe. So with our new product line and our pipeline and sort of backed up with what we have in our pipe, um, I think that, you're, yeah, we're going to start to see some some great progress this year. So we're very excited and, um, you know, and to kind of give you an idea, because I think that quite often people just think of it as straight assembly. It, it's really not. Our company 
it, it in its in of itself covers three basic areas that but they're very very different areas. So of course we're a manufacturing company because we you know we're vehicle manufacturers. So we have the manufacturing side of things, right? Mm -hmm. But we're also a tech company because we have our own BMS systems, our own BMS boards, right. you know, the, the VDU, the vehicle distribution unit, the PDU power distribution, mm -hmm. all of this. So we have a very tech side of our business, which as you know, tech and assembly are completely different. So, mm -hmm. and they're different people and stuff like that. And then of course we have the green side of it because we're zero emissions. And so, and people that want to work in the green space. So we, we actually have three different sections or three different, very different areas of our plant that, that that all need to become coherent. They they're all they mm -hmm. all need to be able to work together. So we're excited. So we're hiring into those all of those spaces this next year. So we're very excited about it. Well, that's great. I love to hear all that. Um, so folks can check you guys out. Uh, what's your website link again, Phil? Um, so it's um, EVTV. So Echo Victor Tango Victor mm -hmm. USA dot com. Great. And that's, uh, I know that you're revamping that website as well. So there'll be some changes coming out in the new year to highlight some of those newer products that you mentioned and where you guys are going with that. I would encourage listeners to check that out and get more information. And if interested, reach out. Um, one of the things that I do in my conversations is I talk to a lot of municipalities and different levels of government about what they're doing from a climate action plan. A lot of them are putting these plans together to try to, to lower their greenhouse gas emissions in different elements. And one of them is the fleets and the vehicles and the things that they use. And I always tell them, you know, there are these companies out there that provide X, Y, and, and Z. Uh, you should have a look at them. So if uh, if you're in a municipality and you want to talk to your local Congress uh, person, a counselor, or council person, council woman, um, you know, have that conversation, get the ball rolling, because that's where it starts. You know, when people start asking for this stuff is when people, you know, government start listening. Any final thoughts, Phil, you want to want to say before we wrap up? Um, no, I, I listen, I really appreciate the opportunity. And and uh, especially at this time of the year, I mean, God bless you guys and all of your <laughs> listeners. I, I really, really appreciate uh, it today. And and spending the time with you today. And so, and you're absolutely right. You know, we are a company ourselves that, you know, we we realize that building a vehicle is one thing, but being able to deliver on it is quite different. And people say, what do you mean? You just build it and deliver it. No, because there's an entire infrastructure that goes with that. So right now, you know, like the, the you know, the, the grants that we're working on writing for school boards and stuff. So Mm -hmm. So we have we've got a, another department that we've opened inside our company, which is the infrastructure side, where we actually are able to provide charging, renewables through solar and 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 garage or build out space and stuff. So we're we're very well versed in all of those areas, not just in hey, let us sell you a vehicle and you know see you later by. No, it mm -hmm. for us, it, you know, if you came to me and said, hey, Phil, I just want ten trucks and I'll take care of it myself. Honestly, you know, in the old days, I might have done that, but now I won't. It's just like, wait a minute, I, I need to make sure that this is successful. That's right. Not just for you, but for us, and and ultimately for the for the consumers that you're delivering to at the end of the day. So, um, so we're very conscious about all those things. So, but again, God bless you. Thank you so much for your time today, and and all of your listeners. And I wish everybody a, a you know a healthy and and prosperous New Year and prosperous New Year. And we'll look forward to getting connected again sometime. Yes, I do look forward to that and best wishes as well, Phil. Um, maybe sometime next year, I can get down to uh, your location where it makes sense, maybe in the in near the end of Q3 or sometime 
uh, almost a year from now and have a look at the facilities and get a get a nice tour and that kind of stuff. That would be awesome. Do well, a video. let us know. Video. Yeah, I'd love to. Here's my promise to you. If you can get yourself there, just call me. You've got my number and, yeah. and we'll feed you. We'll yeah. look at you. We'll put you up. We'll give you vehicles to drive and, uh, and not just in the parking lot. We've got a yeah. whole track. You can drive them in the mud. You can drive them in the grass. You can run around outside like, uh, you know, we're we're one of these guys that, well, here you go. No, I actually want you to try and break it and uh, mm -hmm. it'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, so just let me know when you're coming and because uh, I'm going to be there, too. And well, we'll go together. it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited about it. And uh, and if you've got any listeners yeah. that that, that want to join you, let us know and we'll put together a little event. But um, oh, believe okay. me, if, if, if you drive them and you've got some consumers out there that investors that are like, hey, you know what? I'd like to go check that out. Let us know. Let's make a group uh, effort of it. You know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll give you some good old, uh, you know, old Southern comfort home cooking and we'll take care of you down there and we'll let you run around and we, we'll, we'll drive in the mud, the grass, it'll all be fun. So we'll, we'll look forward to it. I appreciate that. And my listeners know how to reach me. So if you're interested in taking Phil up on that offer, reach out to me and I'll help coordinate that. That sounds like a lot of fun, but definitely uh, I, I plan on coming down sometime next year where it makes sense timing wise. Um, maybe doing a road trip and coming down for a couple of days and, and doing some videoing and seeing the stuff because I think there's lots of stuff going on in the EV revolution, not just cars. So again, Phil uh, Oldridge, if I got it right this time, is CEO of Envirotech Vehicles in the US. Thank you very much again for your time. I do appreciate it. And again, all the best to you and your family for the new year. And I look do look forward to following up with you in 2023. That's great. Thank you so much. God bless you. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thanks again for listening, folks. You can email me if you have comments. Email at evrevolutionshow at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at evrevshow. I'm also on Instagram, evrevolutionshow. And if you uh, have any suggestions for shows, please let me know. Thanks again for listening. And please, everybody stay safe. And until the next time, I'll see you when I see you.